Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Luke chapter 15, we're continuing our Heart for the House vision series for this year. And uh, this year's theme is 2024, the year of more. And uh, we looked at expect more because our God can do more. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen. Last week, we looked at love more because he's calling us to overflow in love. Today, our, our title is reach more because he's calling us to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you have ever lost something that's important to you? Your cell phone, your keys, contact lens, important document, anybody? All right, about 50% of you are honest, amen. But when you lose something important, you immediately go in to operation search and recovery, amen? And you're going to turn the house upside down to find that important lost item. And if there's anybody around, you're going to enlist their help in your search by asking, have you seen my keys? Have you seen my phone? Uh, can you help me look for my contact lens? You know, people have gone to the extent of taking apart traps in their sink drain to find perhaps a lost ring or other item. They've even dismantled furniture in search of lost items that held great importance to them. On the other hand, if you're going through the laundry, taking it out of the dryer, and you lose a sock, it's not something you really worry about, right? The value of the lost item determines the intensity of your search and rescue efforts. Amen? Now, when the religious leaders of Jesus' day criticized him for hanging out with sinners, Jesus told three stories about lost people, or lost, they represent lost people, they were lost items that, were, that had great importance. So those that were lost searched for them with great diligence. These parables were, in effect, three sermons that Jesus preached to the religious folks to show them the value that God places on lost souls and the extent to which he will go in his search and rescue efforts in order for those souls to be saved. Through these parables, Jesus was also showing us the attitude that we as believers are to have towards the lost. For instance, the shepherd in the first parable left 99 sheep unguarded in open country to search for one lost sheep. He didn't say, oh, well, 99% isn't bad. I have 99 uh, sheep with me. Uh, you're going to lose one sheep once in a while. Let him go ahead and go. No, he didn't. The woman with the, the coins she swept the dirt floor in her little hut until she found the lost coin. She didn't say, oh, well, it's only one coin. I have nine others. That's okay. The prodigal's father didn't say, well, it's a shame that I lost one son, but at least I have the other one here at home with me. No, every day he looked out watching for the return of his son. Our message today is about a true core value of our church, and it should be of every New Testament church. And that core value is that we would have a heart to reach lost people for Christ. It should be the mission of every church. It's the reason for which we exist as we walk in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 28, 19, where he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all people. It is the privilege and purpose of the members of New Life Assembly of God to reach the people of the community of Pembroke Pines, South Florida, and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our vision to be a church not contained within walls, with arms reaching into every sector of our community. That's you, because we are all the arms of Jesus reaching into this community, amen? Reaching into every sector of this community, meeting people at the point of their need with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to make fully devoted followers of Christ who will love God 
love one another, love to serve, and love the lost because those four things are what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is who we are, folks, and this is what Jesus has called us to be about. This is what we have been commissioned to do by the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't exist for ourselves. We don't exist to have a Holy Ghost party on Sunday morning, feel good, and go home. We exist to be equipped and encouraged to go out and reach the lost. And this is something we need to be reminded of again and again. Because sometimes we just kind of tend to slip into a complacency. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's enough for me. Nobody here. I'm talking about folks at the church down the street. But as we look at the three parables of Luke 15, we see the value that God places on lost people and the extent to which he goes in order that they might be found. Luke 15.1 introduces the occasion on which Jesus told the parable about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. It says this, tax collectors and sinners were all crowding around. Tax collectors and sinners, folks, those were people that were lost in their sins. Tax collectors and sinners were all crowding around to listen to Jesus. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law of Moses started grumbling, saying, this man is friendly with sinners. He even eats with them. The religious didn't like the fact that Jesus was trying to reach lost people by building a relationship with them. If you look at the life of Jesus, you find that religious people were often offended by Jesus. But sinners were drawn to Jesus. Even though Jesus never compromised God's standards of holiness and Jesus always spoke the truth to them, he would say stuff like, go and sin no more. But you know what? They were drawn to him. As holy as Jesus was, he went where sinners were, and sinners were drawn to him. And the Bible teaches that when Jesus returned to heaven, the church was commissioned to take over the job of being the body of Christ in this world, his mouth, his hands, his feet, Amen. to reach the lost. Amen. The church is supposed to be the body of Christ, the physical presence of Christ in the world today. That means that the church should resemble Jesus. Amen? And that means that if we resemble Jesus, sinners should be drawn to us, not because we compromise and embrace the ungodliness of this world, but because we are filled with the grace, the mercy, the love, and the truth of Jesus. Amen? And so sinners should be attracted to believers, true believers, the way they were attracted to Jesus. The problem is that in a lot of cases, not here I'm sure, but in a lot of cases, the church resembles the religious leaders more than Jesus. The religious leaders who were offended by the sinners who wanted nothing to do with them, who refused to associate with them. And oftentimes the church resembles more the religious leaders that Jesus rebuked than we resemble Jesus that attracted the unbelievers. So rather than attracting sinners today, sinners are turned off by the church. In fact, there's one research that has been done. It's published in a book called Unchurched. And it talked about how the majority of people in America don't like the church. But when they were asked about Jesus, I think the percentage was above 80%. They're like, yeah, we like Jesus. We'd like to know more about him. They're turned off by the church. But they're open to Jesus. Folks, we don't want to be a people that turns off the lost to us. We want to be a people that loves like Jesus, that lives like Jesus, so that they'll be drawn to us, not so that they'll come to us, but that we can point them beyond ourselves to the Jesus that we serve. Jesus was continually touching and transforming the lives of sinners. 
The, the, the lost weren't flocking to the Pharisees, but everywhere Jesus went, sinners would crowd around him. And he would speak to them, and he would touch their lives, and he would heal them, and their lives would be transformed. Do you remember the story of a short man named Zacchaeus? He was a sinner of sinners, if you would speak. He was, he was a tax collector, which in that day was probably one of the lowest rung of sinners because they were extremely corrupt and greedy and took advantage of people to gain money. But one day Jesus was passing by. He was so eager to see Jesus, and because he was short, he couldn't see above the crowd, so he climbed up a tree. And when Jesus saw him, he said, come down, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. I'm sure the uh, Pharisees had a conniption fit with that, going into the house of a, a tax collector. But when Jesus went home with him and had dinner with him, something happened in his heart. And he stood up and he said, I'm gonna, if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to give back all of that money. And I, I, I'm ready to give away half of everything I have. What happened? Repentance. Transformation just by encountering Jesus. And Jesus was continually touching and transforming the lives of sinners by the power of the Holy Spirit through healings, miracles, forgiveness, deliverance, and the truth of God's word. The church leaders of Jesus' day couldn't handle Jesus because he was spending time with sinners. He was spending time with lost people. And they didn't like it. They thought that that polluted him that it made him unclean. And when Jesus saw how upset these leaders were with him for hanging around with sinners, he gave them three parables which revealed the heart of God towards the lost. And by revealing the heart of God, he was showing them that they did not have the heart of God. Three parables that revealed the heart of God towards the lost and the heart that we as his people ought to have for the lost. We're going to look at each of these parables and hear what Jesus is speaking to us today and let us pray that that truth would transform our lives, that we would become who he's calling us to be so that we can do what he's calling us to do. Amen. But the first parable, we learn that we must reach one more no matter how many have already been saved. As long as there's still one out there that's not saved, we still have a mission. And folks, there's a whole lot more than one out there that need Jesus. Luke 15 verses 3 through 4. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? He doesn't give up until he finds it. Amen. Folks, Jesus is not satisfied with 99 as long as there's one more sheep out there that is lost. We may be satisfied with the 99 that's here, you know. We uh, have several hundred people here, and we may say, oh, that's a nice-sized church. We know most people. We feel like a family. That's we may be satisfied. We may be comfortable with the people that we know. But Jesus is not satisfied as long as there's one person still yet that needs to hear the gospel. And if Jesus is not satisfied, then neither should we. Amen. So what happens? Jesus initiates reaching the lost. Jesus doesn't just, the shepherd doesn't just stand around waiting for the one lost sheep to somehow find its way back. No, Jesus says that the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes to search for the one lost sheep until it is found. So what does Jesus do? He goes out in search of the lost. The lost sheep didn't find its way back to the shepherd. The shepherd went out and searched until he found the sheep. Folks, God doesn't expect lost people to find us. Let me just say that once again. It's a profound truth. You need to write it down. God doesn't expect lost people to find us. He expects us to find them. He expects us to go out and search for them. It's our responsibility. Go. That's the great commission, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. If we're going to have a true heart, the heart of God for lost people, it's our responsibility to go out and find them. You know, there was a survey of drowning people that was conducted. In the survey, researchers didn't question the drowning people. 
They question the people surrounding the drowning person. Do you get that? Many people who drowned, drowned with people around them. And these spectators, so to speak, were asked, why didn't you rescue them? And then he said, oh, well, you know, we were preoccupied with something else. Oh, we didn't realize they were drowning. There was a lot of splashing, but we thought that they were just having a good... We didn't realize they were in desperate shape. Folks, that's very true of the church. There are people going to hell every day surrounded by Christians. People on your job people in your family, people in your neighborhood. They die and enter eternity lost without Jesus, surrounded by believers, believers who are preoccupied with other things, believers who don't really realize the desperate situation that that person is in. We look at our world and we don't see how bad, how desperate, how in need the lost are. We don't realize how sick this world is, how lost people are. But in this parable, Jesus is saying that we as the church need to initiate reaching the lost people around us. Lost people are a top priority for Jesus. Are they for you? We know they're a top priority for Jesus because he said, if I have 99 that are okay, I'm willing to leave those 99 for a period of time to go and find that one lost person. And every church that begins to do so with the intention of reaching the lost, And they may do an excellent job of reaching them at the beginning. But you know what? The congregation begins to grow as we reach lost people. And and in the early years, everybody's passionate, and you have to grow, because if you don't grow, you only have a handful of people. So everybody's passionate, we're reaching. But they usually say by about year seven, churches stagnate. They reach a certain size, people get comfortable, and they say, this this is a nice sized church. I like knowing everybody by name. I like the fact that they know me. And we got a good group of people here. And they kind of grow inward rather than going outward. And that's when people are so inward focused that they get uh, picky about the color of the carpet and they'll split a church over the color of the carpet or the color of the paint because they're just existing for themselves when we're supposed to be existing for those outside the walls of the church. But we become satisfied because we we feel comfortable and we feel like, oh, well, this is a a family. We like the size it is. So uh, the question I have to ask is, have we lost the urgency to reach lost people? It's so easy for us to lose sight of our priority one reason for existing as a church. And it is easy for us to have all the church amenities and programs and say, you know, it's kind of nice the way it is. Do we really have to continue reaching people? Do we really have to grow? I remember several years ago, because pre-COVID, we were in two services. And I remember when we were just growing and bursting at the seams and we had to go to two services. And so we had a members meeting to discuss what we were going to do. And several people, none of you, it wasn't any of you, hallelujah. But several people were like, why do we have to grow more? It's going to get to the point where we don't know each other. Well, you'll always know the people you know. And what a wonderful joy of getting to know some more folks. Amen? But, but, But I know it wasn't any of you. Hallelujah. It wasn't any of you. But there were some folks that didn't want us to grow. They didn't want us to go to two services. Because then how are we going to know that? If we go to the 8 o'clock, how are we going to know the people at the 11 o'clock? Well, you might meet them up at a picnic. You might meet them up at a men's fellowship or a women's fellowship. But you know what? The important thing is that they come to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's folks, you know, how large does a church have to be? 
And the answer to that question is, it needs to keep growing until everybody is saved, which is not going to happen till Jesus comes. So we need to keep growing, and we need to keep going. Amen? Amen. The job of the church is to reach everyone for Jesus Christ. And as long as there's one person out there that's still lost, we got to keep working. And you know what? Within five miles of this church, there are 1.5 million people, 90% of whom are unsaved. So, folks, we got a lot of work to do. Us and every other New Testament church in this area, we got a lot of work to do. Because there's not just one out there that's lost. There's 90% of 1.5 million, and I don't have the brain capacity to compute that right now, but I know that's a bunch of people. Amen? But it's the priority of the Lord to reach the lost, and it needs to be our priority as well. And you know what? There's a celebration when the lost sheep is found. In fact, whenever, in all three of these parables, whenever that which was lost is found, there's rejoicing. There's celebration. The Bible says heaven celebrate. God throws a party over one person that gets saved. And so Jesus talked about how when the shepherd finds that one sheep, he puts it upon his shoulder and he comes into the community and everybody claps and chairs and, and whistles and says, you know, that's great. You found the lost sheep. The lost is now found. And as the lost continue to be saved, guess what? It pumps vitality and joy into a congregation. When you're in a congregation where nobody's getting saved, guess what starts happening? Stagnate, lifeless, no move of the Spirit. We don't want that. I'm glad that virtually every week we have somebody being saved in our services and we have people being saved through people in our congregation witnessing outside of these walls through our evangelism team ministry. Virtually every week people are getting saved, amen? And that brings life. It brings vitality. It brings joy into the midst of the congregation. Have you ever been in the birthing wing of a hospital? Man, it's filled with joy. It's filled with life. Have you ever been in a morgue or a funeral home? I want to be like a birthing wing of a hospital. I don't want this church to be like a funeral home. Amen? Boy, that was weak. That was weak. God wants this church to be like the birthing wing of a hospital where people are continually coming in and they are being born again spiritually born into the kingdom of God. Amen? All right, second principle. We must reach as many lost people as possible. Verses 8 through 10. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the, sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Folks, we need to care about quantity because Jesus cares about quantity. Even though the shepherd had 99 sheep, he went for one more. Even though the woman had nine coins, she was searching for one more, the one that was lost. Jesus is saying, no matter how many there are that are saved, we need to keep reaching. We need to keep going. We need to keep witnessing. Amen? As long as there are still lost people out there who have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and experienced the wonderful saving grace of God, he wants us to keep going, to keep reaching, to keep praying, and to keep seeking. Amen? The story is told that when we get to heaven, we're going to be asked two questions at the gate. The first question will be, did you come alone? Folks, will we be happy to get to heaven just by ourselves? Is that our goal? Just to be saved ourselves? Wouldn't it be awful to stand before the Lord who died for the sins of the world and sent us to reach the lost, and he asks us, did you come alone? And we kind of shuffle our feet for a little bit nervously. And we look down. We can't even look him in the eyes. And he says, did you come alone? And we say, well, <laughs> yeah, I came alone. The author of the story said the second question that will be asked us after we answer, yes, I came alone, is just a one-word question. Why? Why? Why would you come to heaven alone? 
why wouldn't you do everything within your power to bring as many people as possible that they may be saved from the eternal torment of the fires of hell and that they may be able to spend eternity in the presence of the Lord? Why? You know, when you read these three parables in Luke 15, you see that Christ had an incredible heart for lost people. He said his mission, his purpose for coming into this world was to seek and to save the lost. And he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So if we are truly his followers, then we will have his heart to reach the lost. We will live on mission to seek and to save the lost. Folks, we need to search persistently for the lost because Jesus searches persistently. When the woman loses the coin, she keeps searching until she finds it. And she may not find it the first hour or the first day, but she kept looking until she found it. You know, I, I even look at the healing ministry of the Lord because one of my passion topics from the scripture is the healing of Jesus and of the individual miracles that he performed because there are mass miracles where he healed thousands at a time but of the individual miracles that are recorded for us 34 out of 40 of the healings the people who needed healing didn't find Jesus by themselves they were brought to Jesus for instance the man that was paralyzed and his four friends dug through the ceiling and let him down in front of Jesus or the man who had a son that was demon-possessed, and he brought him to Jesus. Amen? So either Jesus found them, like at, uh, 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 on one instance where he went and he found a lame man that was laid by the pool of Siloam, and he says, do you want to be healed? And the man was giving him every excuse under the sun. Oh, when the water stirs, I can't get there. Somebody else gets it. I have nobody to help. But Jesus found him and said, do you want to be healed. So either Jesus found them or someone brought them to Jesus. They were hurting people. They were desperately in need. And either Jesus went to them and found them or someone brought them to Jesus. You know, there was a recent survey of why people come into relationship with Jesus Christ. 1% came through evangelistic crusades or revivals. So, you know, sometimes we see those big crusades with 10,000, 20,000 people or whatever, and you see a lot of people pouring down to the altar. Most of them already know Christ. And of those that don't, there's only about 1% that are coming to Christ through these crusades that call, call, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. 5%, they were walk-ins to a church. You know, nowadays we might say they, they felt a, a, some kind of need or stirring that they needed something beyond themselves, so they searched on Google for um, a church near me, and they walk in. All right? 5%. 8% came because of the outreach or evangelism of the pastor. And 76% came through friends and relatives. That's how important your witness, your sharing of your faith, yes. your invitation is. Yes. That 76% of people who come to Christ as an adult came because someone just like you were their friend or their relative and you invited them to come to the church. Can I tell you something? If your friend goes to heaven with you, it's likely because you did something to share Jesus or invite them. 76% of people going to heaven today are going because a friend, a family member, a loved one, a co-worker just like you invited them. Folks, that's the reason that we're constantly challenging you to witness to your friends and invite them to church. In fact, this month, and I'll repeat it at the end of our message, this month is Easter month, right? The last Sunday this month is Easter, and Easter statistically is the number one time of the year when people are most open to come to church. And 85% of people who were asked, would you come to church if a friend invited you? 85% of people said yes. 
You're that friend, folks. So what we're going to challenge you to do, and I'll repeat it again at the end of this message, identify three people in your life that need Jesus. Could be a family member, a friend, a co-worker. Identify three people in your life that need Jesus. Commit during the month of, of March to pray for them, that God would touch their heart, prepare them to be receptive, that God would open a door for you to share your faith with them and invite them to the house of the Lord. And then we're going to have invite cards available for you. They should be here in about a week and a half that are themed just for our Easter service. They'll be available for you, and you're going to invite them to come with you so that they can hear about Jesus. Folks, we want to to encourage you. We want to motivate you. We want to activate you to obey the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the world and reach the lost. Amen? But I want you to understand that 76% of people who come to church and receive Christ came through friends and relatives. Folks, people don't come because of me. They don't even have a clue who I am. But they will come because of you. Because you are their friend. Because you are their family member. And I want to really encourage you to invite and bring them. I promise you when they come, we will do our best to welcome them, to love on them, to preach about how they can be saved and how they can experience the love of God. We'll give them an opportunity to learn about Jesus as their Savior. What a great opportunity we have to reach our friends and family for Jesus. And when we do, there's a great celebration in heaven. Amen. What's interesting in all three of these parables is a common thread. When a lost item or person is found, there is a party in heaven. How many of you want to make God happy? Oh, about 60% of you. Okay. Let me ask that one more time. See if you'd be awake. How many of you want to make God happy? Amen. Here's a surefire way to make God happy. Bring somebody to Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Third principle, we must meet the lost where they are and lead them home. Read with me, if you will, Luke chapter 15. We're going to read verses 11 through 13 and then verses 17 through 18. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before I die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his young son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven. And, and to, to just summarize, for sake of time the father saw him from a far distance and the father took off running to meet him at that distance and he put a, a new robe on his back he put a ring on his finger all signs of receiving him back as sonship as a son and then he threw a big party to celebrate the return of his son but this parable this story um, really brings home to us three important truths we must be patient the, the prodigal could represent even someone who grew up in church, could represent your son or daughter that you raised in the house of God, could represent someone who backslid because he's the only one in these parables that knew that he was lost and knew that he needed to repent and return to the father. But I want you to see something. The father was willing to wait And the fact that the father saw him from a far distance implies that every day the father would go out, probably praying for his son, but looking down that long dusty road where he last saw his son, waiting with expectancy for his son to come back home. What does that tell us? God is patient. God is willing to wait. And sometimes he has to allow us to run our course of self-will and even experience the consequences of our self-will which brings destruction in our life just like it did for this young man as long as this young man was rolling in the dough he was surrounded by friends because he was paying for the drinks he was paying for the party when he ran out of money he ran out of friends Uh they were all gone and then a famine hit he had no money he had nobody to help him 
He ended up feeding pigs, which was one of the greatest abominations for a Jew because pigs are unclean. And then he had to eat the pig slop because that's all that there was available to him. And when he basically hit bottom, he realized how much better it is in my father's house. And folks, sometimes you're praying for that lost loved one. And you need to pray, God, do whatever you need to do to show them their need for you. And sometimes, folks, in the mercy of God, that means they're going to have to hit bottom. Because if you keep bailing them out from hitting bottom, they're never going to return home to the Father. Sometimes you just got to release them into God's hands and say, God, you deal with them. You know what it'll take to bring them back home. And I put them in your hands. So God was patient. He, he was willing to wait. And he allowed this lost son to run the course of sin and experience its consequences. Folks, God knows everything. And he knows that there are some that are never going to come home until they've hit bottom. Do you know that 85% of people who come to Christ as an adult do so because of a crisis in their life? Something bad happens in most cases. And that's when they realize, I need God. I can't do this myself. What an opportune moment for us to meet them where they are. Maybe in your workplace, there's somebody who's going through a divorce, a crisis moment. Maybe there's someone who just got a diagnosis that, that, that filled their heart with fear. What an opportune moment to love them and reach out to them, whatever they're going through. Amen. Because that's when they're most open, most open to receive Christ. And just as the father ran to meet the son while he was a long way off, we need to meet people where they are. His, his son was probably still coated in the filthy mud of a pigsty. He probably had a, a stench about him. But you know what? It didn't stop the father. And the father didn't say, wait till you clean yourself up and then I'll welcome you home. No, he met him where he was. He met him covered in filth. And he said, put a robe on his back and a ring on his finger. Sometimes, folks, we expect sinners to clean themselves up before we'll reach out to them. But it's only God that can clean them up. And if they don't meet Jesus, how are they going to change? Amen. We got to meet them where they are. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. This week, I spent an hour on the phone through our evangelistic online platform with a young lady who lives in Miami who is from Jordan, and she's a Muslim. And at first, she wanted to hang up, you're a Christian, I'm a Muslim. I said, you know what, that doesn't matter. This is about having a relationship with God. And she said, wow, I didn't expect to hear that. And I talked to her. I let her pour her heart out. She's going through a crisis in her life. I let her pour her heart out. I, where I could, I interjected truths from Scripture. And I would say, well, you know, God says. And I would tell her. And, and she would be surprised. Really? God said that? Yeah. And for an hour. Can I tell you at the end that she, did, she prayed the sinner's prayer? No. But I asked her, can I pray for you? And she said, yes, I'd like that. And I prayed for her. I prayed for her needs. I prayed that God would reveal himself to her in a greater way. Because she thinks she knows God. But she needs to know the God of the whole Bible, the, the, the God that we know through Jesus Christ. Amen. And when I finished praying for her, I prayed in the name of Jesus. And she thanked me. And I told her, I said, you know what? You've got my phone number. You've got my email. You want to talk again, feel free to reach out to me. And I'll probably reach out to her in a couple of weeks anyhow. But, but I, I couldn't just present to her a three-point gospel presentation and say, you know, turn or burn, accept Jesus now or go to... No. You got to be patient with people. You got to meet them where they are. I couldn't just rush into that conversation and tell her, well, you know, Jesus is the only way to heaven because boom, she would hang right up on me. But I met her where she was. I slowly sowed some seeds that hopefully God by his Holy Spirit can use to minister to her. 
you got to be patient and you got to meet people where they are. Sometimes we're so results oriented that we want to just throw somebody up against the wall, give them the four spiritual laws and say, pray now or go to hell. You know, and we wonder why we're ineffective. Amen. But you know what? The Bible says that one person sows the seed, another one waters, and God gives the increase. Folks, we want to go straight to increase. But you know what? I sowed some seeds. I don't know that God will use me again in her life to do that. I will try. But maybe he'll send somebody else now to water those seeds. And eventually, he's the one that will give the increase. He's the one that will draw her unto himself. Amen? But folks, we got to be patient. We can't be rushed with people to just press them into, you know, an immediate decision. We got to be patient with people. Love people. Meet them where they are sow those seeds and believe God that he is going to use that to draw them unto himself. And we must not only be patient, but we must wait with expectancy. As I said, the father was watching expectantly because he saw his son from afar off. And every day, I believe that father must have walked out the front door of his house and looked down that road where he last saw his son. As he prayed, and believed with expectancy that one day his son would return. See, there was an expectancy. And expectancy is the outflow of faith. We need to have expectancy. We need to be praying and looking for our lost loved ones, co-workers, friends, and people wherever we go, and we must not give up. The only way we can have expectancy is if we are praying in faith with persistency. Amen? If we are sowing to the Spirit in prayer, then we can have expectancy that God is going to move. Amen? Right now, I'm praying with expectancy for my niece. My niece does not know Christ because of some things she's gone through in her life. She says at this moment that she doesn't believe that God exists because why would he have allowed her to go through that? But I know there's seeds that have been planted in her life. Amen. And I am praying for her that she will be saved. She's in a lifestyle right now that's not honoring to God. But I'm praying for her that she might be saved. Amen. And I'm looking with expectancy for the day when she will come to Christ. We need to pray with expectancy. We need to sow with expectancy. We need to patiently wait with expectancy. Amen. And believe God to do what only he can do. Be sensitive to those in crisis and those that are seeking. Reach out to them because they are most open when they're going through difficulty in their life. A man was released from prison after serving 15 years for murder. And the week after he was released from prison, he went to a church service looking for God and his forgiveness. The next week, the pastor received a voicemail from the man. And the man said, Pastor, when you told people that God could forgive the past no matter what a person had done, and that God had grace to forgive and totally change a person, I believed what you said. And for the first time in 17 years, I feel no guilt. I feel totally forgiven. I feel totally accepted by God's love. Folks, that's what it's all about. It's about reaching lost people and connecting them to God through his grace. If we're going to be like Jesus, then we need to reach more in 2024. We must prioritize reaching the lost. We must initiate initiate going out in search of the lost. And we must patiently expect for God to move in their life and draw them unto himself. We must invest ourselves, our time, our energy, our resources wholeheartedly in reaching the lost. Let me ask you a question. Do lost people matter to you because they're of utmost importance to God? That's the point of these three parables. They are of utmost importance to God. So do lost people matter to you because they're of utmost importance to God? And if you say, yes, they matter to me, how many people have you witnessed to? How many people have you invited to church in the last month or the last year? 
How many lost people have you led to Christ in the last year? We need to live the life of Christ as witnesses, going out and seeking the lost and sharing Christ with them that they might be saved. Invite somebody who doesn't know God and let them experience an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit like this and hear a simple and clear presentation of the gospel and expect God to move in their lives. So since this is Easter month, I want to challenge each of you right now to prayerfully think about three people in your life that need Jesus. They're lost. I want you to seal those three names in your mind. And in a moment, we're going to make a commitment to pray for them during this month of March. We're going to pray for them, for, for God to, to soften the hardness of their heart, to strip away the blinders with which Satan has blinded them from seeing the light of God's truth. We're going to pray for God to engineer circumstances in their life to show them their need of him. And we're going to pray that God will open opportunities for us to share Jesus and invite them to the house of the Lord and that they might be receptive. So I want you to prayerfully consider those three names right now. And for some of you that are here today, you're here because somebody told you about Jesus. Maybe somebody invited you to church. You're not here by accident. You're here because God loves you. And you matter to him incredibly more than you can imagine. And he wants to have a relationship with you. All that we need to do to be forgiven of our sins and enter into relationship with God is to repent. And that means to turn away from. We recognize that we've been living life our way apart from God. And we say, Lord, I don't want to live that way anymore. I make a U-turn and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I invite you to come and live inside of me. The moment that we do that in faith, we are born again, we're made spiritually alive and we are brought into right relationship with God. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you would say, pray for me, Pastor Maria. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Or maybe you prayed and accepted him some years ago, but you've drifted away and you'd say, pray for me, Pastor Maria. I want to come back to Jesus. If you fit into either of those categories, would you just slip your hand up and just say, pray for me. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus. Is there anyone this morning? Just slip your hand right up and you can put it right back down. Amen. All right, thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, with your head still bowed, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. In church, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer along with those that are praying it uh, for the first time this morning as an encouragement. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life and I turn to you in faith. I confess that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Congratulations to those of you who just prayed that prayer, amen. You just made the best decision of your life and we welcome you to the family of God. That prayer is a beginning and not an end. It's the start of your journey uh, in, in learning to love and live for God. And we wanna help you continue in that journey by sending you free of charge a little e-booklet. But to do so, we need your email address. So if you would, would you just text, if you just prayed that prayer, just text your email address to the number on the screen so we can send you free of charge this little e-booklet to help you understand the prayer you just prayed and to understand the next steps to take so you can continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. But congratulations once again and welcome to the family of God. For those of us who are believers, God is calling us to reach the lost. Each and every one of us is called to reach the lost. And this morning, there's two ways we're gonna go with this altar call. One is what we just described earlier, identifying three people 
in your life that need Jesus, praying for them during the month of March, and sharing your faith and inviting them to come to church with you on Easter Sunday. The second way is right after the service, out front. I go be with our evangelism ministry. He's going to be out there. You can also uh, be a part of our evangelism ministry. If you even can just go out one Saturday a month, they go out every Saturday. You can just make it one Saturday a month. We encourage you to go out with our evangelism ministry. Or you can also be a part of the Share Jesus Club on Monday nights where um, they are learning how to more effectively share their faith. And if they encounter any uh, questions or issues, they can talk about how best to uh, respond. So uh, all of these are excellent ways to, to be more active in obeying the command of the Lord to reach the lost. For the Share Jesus Club and the Evangelism Ministry, you can see Ike after the service out front, and we encourage you to do so. But right now, we wanna call the church to commit to go and reach the lost, and particularly right now, to commit to reach the three people God is laying on your heart in the month of March, that you're going to commit to pray for them, and you're going to commit to share your faith and invite them to the house of the Lord. If you are willing to obey the Lord in doing this, I want you to stand to your feet right where you are. Three people that God has identified to you in your life could be a family member, friend, co-worker, neighbor, and you're going to commit to pray for them through the month of March, and you're going to commit to invite them for Easter. And, and in doing that, we're also committing to a lifestyle of evangelism because we need to live on mission. Yeah. Our, the reason we exist is to go and reach the lost. So make that commitment to the Lord this morning. Would you pray your yeah. own words, your own voice as I pray over us? Yeah. Father, I thank you for all of these that are standing today. I thank you for a wonderful response to your word. I thank you that your people have an open heart and a readiness to obey, Lord God, and that your heart is being formed in us, a heart for the lost, Lord God. Let us overflow more and more in love to reach the lost with the truth of Jesus Christ. Father, as we stand before you today, we're making a commitment to live on mission, to live with your goal in mind, Lord to go and seek and save that which was lost, Lord God. Let us live in obedience to the great commission to go and preach the gospel to every living creature. And Father, as we stand before you today, we specifically make a commitment to pray for the three people that you have laid on our heart during this month. Three people that need you, Jesus. Three people that are of incredible importance to you because you love them so much. And Father, we pray that you would just begin to deal with their heart. We pray that you would begin to open them up to the truth of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would open a door for us to share our faith with them and to invite them. We pray that you would touch their hearts, that they might be receptive to that invitation. And we are praying and believing for the work of the Holy Spirit in them to convict them of their sin and their need for Jesus. Father, use us use us especially during this month to reach those who do not know you in jesus name we pray amen thank you for joining us today if you were blessed by this message would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry you can text any amount to 954-516-1522 that's 954-516-1522 thank you and we hope you will join us again.